Welcome in, everybody. Another Wednesday night here with you on the TSS Fantasy Show Dynasty Hour. I know we're looking a little uh, slim as far as the, the people on screen right now, but Jagger May will be joining us again next week. He's taking a week off. Uh, celebrations are ensuing. I'm sure we'll get some stories back from that. And Justin Herrera, Fantasy Jesus himself, will be joining us here shortly. But forget the people who aren't here. Chuck Bass, how <laughs> is it going? It is going Absolutely great. I am putting on a brave face for all of the what feels like terrible fantasy news coming down the pipeline. Everybody's pretending that it doesn't mean anything when they're just lying because it means everything. It really does. And we're going to get to some of those big hot topic news uh, uh, stories because it not only affects redraft, it affects dynasty. It literally it affects the NFL in general. So we're going to get to all that. But first and foremost, Quick rundown of the announcement here. Uh, Dynasty Cup, we mentioned it uh, last week. Uh, I think that was the first week we mentioned. But either way, Dynasty Cup still rolling. We just about got it filled up with the uh, with the experts for our divisions. Uh, if we uh, if we get some more interest, though, we are looking at possibly opening it up to all y'all out there in the public. So uh, keep an eye out for it. If if you're interested, show us some interest, and if we if we gauge enough of that. Uh, we, we may go ahead and open that up. So keep an eye out on the uh, Dynasty Hour Twitter handle at Dynasty Hour, and uh, we'll, we'll have more of that coming out, as, especially as we schedule the drafts. Uh, we'll keep you all in the loop as about how those startup drafts are going. Uh, but what do you say we get right into the news that you've already aforementioned there, Chuck? <laughs> And the big news, obviously, we'll get right into it. D-Hop going to the Titans. Um, so I'm not going to lie. For This one for me, just off the top, I was a little surprised. Not that he went to the Titans, but after taking a few weeks of no visits, that he – I figured that signal he was waiting until after camp started to pick a team mm. and to make a decision. So I'm a little surprised in the timing that he just out of nowhere this, you know, the other day made his decision did, did that did the timing of it surprise you at all or how did you see this going down after he went quiet for a few weeks i thought this was the most annoying storyline i could remember <laughs> for a long time and I, i'm pretty reactionary to this stuff so that could just be hyperbole but it was like he should have been signed a month ago he should have been signed right after uh it was classic follow the money stuff he ended up taking the biggest contract in a state with no income tax which does matter guys come to these yeah. teams they teams go to players go to play in texas players go to play in florida it's a real thing um and i mean he sure you have to publicly say you want to win um and you can make a case that the titan you can make a, ca- a case that the titans could still grapple with the tex or with the jags for the afc south title you can make a case which is yeah. what somebody always says when they don't believe that there that there is much of one. But um, it's you know it, it is it was surprising to me in a little bit. Yeah, and and like you nailed it. It's it's obviously all about the money here um, mm-hmm. because if, if you wanted to win, and now I'm not saying that if you wanted to win, the Patriots were going to be a good choice either. Because I've I've kind of said from the get go uh, for months now that I didn't necessarily think that was going to be a match made in heaven either. Um, but it kind of, once again, once he visited with the Pats, visited with the Titans, mm. and nothing came out of it, it kind of felt like he was waiting for the Bills or the Chiefs or one of the actual contenders to jump in and and, and make an offer. And uh, I guess he just got tired of waiting. I don't know. Justin, welcome yeah. into the show. Obviously Speaking of one of the contenders <laughs> jumping in. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> It looks like Dude, you just took like a midday nap, bro. You're just waking up a little bit. Dude, isn't it so, it's so funny that you have the friends back. That's the friends background set, right? Yep. Um, I was, Did I you just see what did. the headline says. Oh, live, live from, from the dynasty. dynasty <laughs> you know, who's going to love, you know, who's going to love that is I just did a show with Wyatt from JWB. Um, and he said that his least favorite show popular show was friends. So oh. I'll have to get you guys connected and get you in a room together. I was going to say, that's also like my favorite show. We could have a throwdown. Me and Justin versus him in, a, in a, another naysayer of his choosing. We need some more contention. I want to I want to not be the one to bear Justin's wrath one of these shows. So I'd like to sit on the <laughs> sidelines and let it go down. 
<laughs> See, but that's why oh, you have man. me. I just come in and say I say wild and negative things that nobody agrees with. So then I, <laughs> you guys fight, you separate, and then I galvanize you back together. That's right. Well, no, that's see, really the, the key here is Leduc's been on podcast with me for like almost a year, yeah. probably total. So he already knows like what sets me off and what doesn't set me. <laughs> nice, smart. He knows. He knows where the landmines are. I get it. <laughs> well, we then, are. Um, we're and, we're right in. We're just covering Hopkins Titans, kind of getting some initial thoughts. So, what does your heart say? Oh yeah. Oh, um, you know what my heart says. My heart says. <laughs> Still draft Chig and just continue to plummet, Bert. Yeah. <laughs> continue to plummet. And you no, know what? Just cares. keep on crashing down. Wave hi to the people in the Titanic and just keep on going all the <laughs> way down to where they find the Meg and that new Meg 2, the Trench movie. Mm. Meg, Ooh, shout so. out. <laughs> Are they going to be waving to the people on the submarine as well, or is it too soon still? <laughs> That's um, why I was kind of like – hinting at but i didn't want to full on say it um yeah it's pretty tough somebody asked today on twitter who is this year's russell gage in the sixth round which last year the big joke was that before they signed julio and there was no godwin news people were drafting russell gage in the sixth round of best ball drafts Mm -hmm. mocks all that jazz well we know who this year's russell gage is unfortunately it is my boy trevon burks um that really sucks you know it does feel like my nuts got run over with a dump truck because uh, I loved him a lot as a candidate. And, I mean, he probably still could be like Corey Davis to DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Brown. But, I mean, that was not a great Corey Davis season from a weekly consistency standpoint. So that You, you kind of just hope that he really does, like, sit back and learn from a guy mm-hmm. who's been oh, really yeah. quality and had the same problem that he had. He's not very fast. Yeah. Right? Like, They're very go learn from this guy how to run routes – Learn sure. how to go up and you know properly position yourself to catch contested passes. Don't have a thirty mm-hmm. percent contested catch rate again, <laughs> and you know at the same time learn a few steps that you know can help you against for mm-hmm. from being like a less agile, less quick guy out sure. there. Because DeAndre Hopkins ran a four six. Like mm-hmm. let's let's be realistic here. He wasn't a fucking burner. He looks like he should be a burner, but he wasn't a burner. Yeah, you know. Traylon Burks ran a four five five. I think Twitter had it right. The best thing that can happen out of this is Traylon Burks learns how to be a very solid wide receiver one, but takes a backseat this year because I ain't drafting him in no redrafts, no best balls, no nada. Bring him to me. I got him. You guys bring him to me. So we're in that season where we're seeing everyone post their final Scott Fishbowl lineups now because like, the drafts are finishing up. I saw one or either earlier today or yesterday where someone had waited on wide receiver when running back heavy and Traylon Burks was their wide receiver one. And I just went, ouch. <laughs> that was bad before the D-Hop news. And then the D-Hop news comes, and that's just not going to feel good for that guy. Well, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be – this is like as far as like, you know, we're the dynasty hour, right? This is probably good for him in a dynasty perspective in the terms of he's probably going to get – his ability to develop as a wide receiver long-term will probably raise – he won't be thrown into the fire quite as much, which is not what you want to say about a first-round pick, but we are talking about a Hall of Fame talent in DeAndre Hopkins – Um, and this was nice too, you know, like, what do you guys think about the fit for Hopkins? You know, I didn't think there were many teams that he could have gone to where I would have viewed him any differently than I did last year, other than maybe like the bills. Um, I'm pretty high on him still. What do you guys think? I'll let you go, Andrew. Um, I'm not, um, Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, so here's the, what the upside here is that, no, seriously, the upside here is that. Other than Chig, who is te- he's got all the hype, but technically still unproven, there will be targets for D Hop here. That that is the upside. It just depends on how accurate those targets are, and that's where I have the doubt of trusting this Tennessee offense. Um, whether it's Tannehill, whether it's Levis, whether it's Willis, I feel like at some point this season, all three of them are going to see some snaps, and I'm not sure D Hop is going to necessarily benefit from that inconsistency in Tennessee. And plus, let's be honest, it's still going to be the Derrick Henry show. Yeah. Uh, I 1,000% agree. And here is my biggest issue is now he has gone from being an eighth-round guy to being automatically a fourth, fifth-round guy, 
which I find absolutely disgusting. And I'm like, no, I will not be paying up for a guy who's in a run-heavy offense, who has kind of downtrended in his production the past two years. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, well, you know, the efficiency markets are, margins are still there. Well, guess what? That's because the Arizona Cardinals had to throw to him. Just because he got 17 targets in one game with Colt McCoy doesn't mean that should be how you view him. That was just how they had to do it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, how, who else were they going to throw it to? Marquise Brown was down for part of the season. You know, James Conner, they completely took him out after Kyler went down. So it, it's all about the context, and it's all about what the situation was that delivered on those results. For me, I don't see this team switching it up too much. I hate it because I almost feel like it's when Julio went to the Titans, and I don't wish injury upon anybody, but he's had injury problems in the past. He's only getting older, and this is an offense that really doesn't you know, predicate itself on going downfield. So for all those reasons, Chuck, I am out. Man, I feel like you guys named all the reasons you should be in is because <laughs> you could, you guys can apply. I mean, you can basically apply what the Cardinals were trying to do last year, Sands, Kyler Murray, and take it and put it in Tennessee because they tried, they tried to revolve their game around the run, which there's no doubt about it, right? It's the Henry show, right? But they, you know, they've proven in Vrabel's Tabor, in Vrabel's tenure, that they will over, they will hyper focus on elite talent and get something out of it. You know, like Hawkins didn't just have a lot of targets in a game with Colt McCoy. He had ten targets in every game average without Kyler Murray in Arizona. So I'm pretty confident that he can replicate some similar aspect of his game. Um, but it is going to come down to Ryan Tannehill being healthy and playing every game because I think that's what they're trying to do. I don't think you sign Hopkins unless you're trying to do one of two things, right? You're trying to win now, which they might be delusional enough to think that they can, Very or you're trying to expedite Will Levis's development, which is also in, you know, probably a smaller percentage chance, but it makes sense if you are trying to look at it through that lens uh, because Kyler, Kyler Murray didn't really start to develop as a passer until they brought in um, DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe they're trying to, you know, replicate the formula in some way. Uh, it's entirely possible. I like what he does for the offense as a whole. I mean, Tannehill has been pretty good about, you know, proving that he can facilitate a fantasy offense that can be fantasy friendly, um, whether it is for Henry Hopkins and maybe some spot starts for some other players. Uh, The big thing there, what's going to be really weird in this division is that, or not in the division, but like the offensive line is maybe the worst unit that we've seen in any skill, any positional group in several years. It is horrifically bad and they haven't done anything to upgrade it so that could be the whole wrench in this whole plans but um yeah getting up there in the fourth round might be a little rich for my blood but i definitely take him like over guys like like a mike williams or uh who else is going in that range uh let me see here who's going in that mike williams range we're looking at mike williams michael Pittman. i'd probably take him over tyler lockett i mean just that you know there it depends on where he's being drafted on your still muted, Justin. Thank God. <laughs> I can't unmute him either because he muted himself. <laughs> Self-mute. That's all right. Take, like, a, take a beat. Take a beat yeah. and process all that. No, yeah, it, he's it, <laughs> Damn headphones trying to connect. Um, anyways, so I have a problem with you saying that he's going to be better than Tyler Lockett, and that's because Tyler Lockett has been super solid for pretty much his entire career. Sure. And that is an offense that really has a lot of potential. Um, albeit the offense Jackson does. Smith and Jigba does take away from that. But I don't know, man. Like it, it's, it's like having the conversation of Marquise Brown, essentially. Do you want the number one in an incredibly bad situation? I I don't know. If you qualify this as incredibly bad, it's hard to say yes to that question. If you qualify it as that. Well, you you understand what I'm talking about when incredibly sure. bad. Like like the the game is pretty much fifty percent run the ball with Derrick Henry, the rest of the mm-hmm. time just kind of lob it up there and see who catches it. And now you got three guys going for it. And you know, D Hop. Chig, Burks, 
and then sprinkle in a little bit of whoever else you want to put in there. Kyle Phillips, Nick Aquino, Westbrook, whoever else you want to throw targets to. It's just one of those things where it's kind of like looking at the Ravens offense. When's the last time we've really had a successful, you mm-hmm. know, receiver from the Ravens offense, at least fantasy wise? It's Marquise Brown, if you Marquise want to call that Brown. successful. Yeah. Look, my, my biggest concern is if it is Tannehill at, as the starter for the majority of the season, uh, I think that's actually lower for D-Hop's ceiling than if they did bring in a Will Levis. Because what I saw at Tannehill Hill last year, and I know he was off and on injured, but what I saw when he was playing, it just looked like his arm was about damn near dead. I wasn't seeing him. Like, I'm not sure he's going to be able to take advantage of a D-Hop down the field. And, and at this point in D-Hop's career, I'm not sure D-Hop has the first step to take advantage of a quick slant that Tannehill can do. So I'm not sure the two of them match up great for for what's going on here that would be the game it'll be a short vertical game very probably similar to what we've seen like the giants do last year only um maybe a little bit more you know they do like to roll Tannehill out of the pocket but man he's he he, he's hurting lately physically he is so i doubt he stays on the field the entire year honestly i got a question for you guys so, looking at like a third or fourth quarterback, are you better off going with Tannehill, the guy you know that's going to bona fide start at least some games this year, or are you taking a shot at Levis thinking Tennessee Titans are going to be done, they're not going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to want to shoot their shot with somebody new at the end of the season? If I'm talking third or fourth quarterback on my team, I'm taking a shot at Levis because Tannehill's timeline of being on the field already going to line up most odds are going to line up with the guys I already have starting anyways so I would probably never use Tannehill uh if Will Levis is going to enter my lineup it's going to be because one of my other starters is hurt or in a bye week or something mm-hmm. that lines up just from a timeline standpoint where Will Levis is more useful to me yeah I pretty I pretty much agree with that um it's hard because like those kind of these kind of guys are like my bread and butter because like I just don't put a lot of value on the quarterback position as a whole. So I put more emphasis on these guys at the bottom and Tannehill is still near the bottom. I don't think like people are people are coming out and they're saying stuff like Tannehill could be like a QB 12. Like, okay, well, first of all, being the QB 12 doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. And like, look, if you're playing super flex, like maybe that would matter. But then that backs into I don't think he's going to be the QB 12. Um, you know, he might be closer to that, like QB 17, 18 ish range, which, you know, the point per game differential isn't as different, but you start losing those spike weeks that you want out of somebody from there. So it's, it's not ideal. Do you, so here, here's where, here's where I am on Tannehill. I don't, I, and I'm going to bring it back to, to my home team here just because I brought oh, this God. up last week. And I see no, and only cause I brought, I brought it back <laughs> okay, last okay. week. And, as long uh, as you don't say America's team, I'm pretty sick and tired of hearing Yeah, no, that. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, no, we'll leave that to Coop. Love um, you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I, I, I think Mac Jones finishes higher than Tannehill this year. Like, I just do. I see Tannehill being overvalued and Mac Jones being undervalued in drafts right now. I, I see Mac Jones finishing top 20 and Tannehill being closer to that 23-24 range. I think That's Tannehill has a good chance to finish QB 34. <laughs> God, so specific. <laughs> Behind who? Trey Lance and uh, Jacoby Brissett? Behind Kyle Trask and Will Levis. <laughs> oh, God. Why do you, you do this what, to me? You, you, you know see the... the jerseys hanging in the background. You can't, <laughs> is it necessary? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought Baker Mayfield was going to leave you guys. I don't know what a Dynasty year. Hour podcast is if I don't throw at least one little. One little I know, little, right? My buddy. Oh, our, yeah. Well, Daddy's gone on vacation right now, so we can get these little redrafties in. well let's get to some more fun news here uh because uh, i don't want to waste all the hard work that chuck put into loading up these images uh but some some retro and alternate jerseys were dropped this week uh some news Mm -hmm. on these so we want to play a quick little uh yay or nay on these uh Mm -hmm. between the browns the bucks and the seahawks so we'll roll through these pretty quick and then we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of the show so first up here is the uh browns see i almost just said what we talked about earlier track i almost just said the bears because that's what these uniforms look like to me they look like the white Mm -hmm. bear uniforms so 
just because of that, I'm out on them. Where are you guys on these? Nah. <laughs> I, I agree with you guys. It does look like the Bears' uniforms. I'm like, what? Like, I saw a little coat of arms right here. I'm just like, that's exactly what the Bears. Oh, come on. These are ugly. Really I mean, listen, it's a clean look, but to me, it just doesn't say Browns. I don't know. Probably because they're not actually brown. What I agree. That's I completely agree. That's my big gripe with it. Like, and I was saying this to Andrew. I when I first saw this, I thought it was like the uh, Miami Hurricanes, like uh, all, like maybe like homecoming jersey or something. It's like they're trying to distance themselves from, um, I don't know, the, like like who they are. Which I get. I'd be doing that too if I were them. <laughs> you know, the, so an argument can be made that the Browns have some of the worst, you know, branding in sports from. Uh, uh, value standpoint and a and a color standpoint, but uh, this well, yeah, well, this is it. You, you could you could say worst branding in sports, or you could say that the fact that they've gone this long, still just being referred to as a color, uh, is impressive. <laughs> that no mm. one's just gone and changed it. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, you're, think, you're think about the legacy if it falls out of Paul Brown's family. Mm-hmm. Think about the legacy there. Yeah. Like, what if it goes to like the the freaking Joneses or something like that? What are they gonna do with that? And like, dude, it's not it's not just people transitioning anymore. I guess. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> moving right along in the transition <laughs> in the transition uh, realm here. I'm gonna move to. I I'm a big fan of these ones here. Oh, but yeah. Geno Smith hanging out in the the throwback. Seahawks jerseys. Uh, I'm giving this an A plus plus. Love it. Big game. Uh, wear them all season long for all I care. Home and away. Go for it. Where are you guys? You want to go, Chuck? This, Chuck go yeah, this is like a Kanye yay. This is big time <laughs> premium. I love this. This picture, like, if you told me this picture was taken from like 1971, I would absolutely believe it. That is such a pretty, pretty cut. Um, they, they're doing great and they need it up there in Seattle too. You know, they need a look cause I, I don't love their jerseys. They're regular jerseys. So to see them kind of take a swing here and pump some juice back in, I like. When they had those neon greens that you could literally take to a bowling alley on like a Friday night and the lights are out and you'd see every one of them, those freaking annoyed mm-hmm. the shit out of me. These ones I love because <laughs> one of my favorite memories was getting a Steve Largent Jersey. And I know I'm a 49ers fan talking about the Seahawks players, Yuck. But one of my favorite jerseys was this Steve Largent jersey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw it like a freaking Ross, and I was just like, that's really freaking cool, and I bought mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Do you, th- do you think that this is an attempt for the Seahawks to distance themselves between being the organization that was selling large beers and medium beers for different prices but giving people the same amount of liquid, actually? <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> this, is, this, this is totally a throwback to the good old times. They're like, no, guys, stop by the, stop by the stadium again. It's the yeah. good old days when we actually poured beers the right way. Come on back. Come on back. <laughs> Don't worry. I covered up that hole. Don't worry. I will never go to that stadium now for beer. <laughs> but what what fast food chain or whatever doesn't do that? I mean, you, you, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, you, you do those tests. It's pretty much that. It's just like that industry Andrew, I'm not Scam. talking about my one dollar Coke. I'm talking about like <laughs> nine to ten dollar. Yeah, it was, a, it was a it was a seven fifty. It was a seven fifty for a medium, and then like eight or like nine twenty five or something for a large, and they were both oh, what a twenty bargain. ounces. Yeah. Um, what a bargain! You know what? You know what beers are at Fenway. I know it's different sports. Fenway Park mm. went there for a concert recently. They're like fourteen bucks for a beer. What? It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> 14 bucks. Jesus. What, what is it, that? That's why I go to more minor league games than I do major league games. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Let's let's hit a home let's, run here. Let's hit a home run and we'll just let Chuck run with this. We'll, we'll even uh, mm. let him have his moment where he just leans back mm. and lets his eyes roll back in his head. The Tampa Bay Bucks crazy goal back is back. Buck. That is so good looking. It's unbelievable. 
Hey, Although you alluded question. earlier to this goes back to when you're when they were not very good, so it's also a little hard. <laughs> yeah, see, these these jerseys brought me a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. Um, <laughs> I would have given anything for an overpriced beer at it would have, at the time. These these guys were rolling these out, but um, and we're probably coming back to that <laughs> within a few months here. So um, anything to distract us, pretty colors, bright lights, we'll take it all. Chuck's got an all-stat back there, and what's the other jersey in the pewter? Uh, that is uh, um, Vincent Jackson, well-renowned Vincent Jackson. Um, you know, not That's San Diego Chargers Vincent Jackson, um, like some knuckleheads like to remember. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Vincent Jackson. R.I.P. Gone too. That was a. That's a yes. great jersey to have mm. right there. Yeah, you don't see that often. Love mm. that. I uh, love that you have that. Well, uh, have you ever been on the ship? I have I have been on the ship, but it was so lame. It was like a high school. Um, it was like we went. They took all the high schoolers from the Bay Area and for the day, and everybody got to go do like take pictures and stuff. It's like cutthroat at the games. Like you ain't getting up there. Yeah. That's so is the is the sh- ship itself lame, or was it just the ha- the the specific experience where you experienced it? Yeah. Did they fire my, the cannons for you? My specific experience was okay. was lame, and you know I was like a high schooler on a field trip, so I was just trying to like you know like look at skirts and stuff. You know, I wasn't like uh, I, I didn't need to be. I don't need the history lesson of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like ship. I, I'm, I'm just trying to chase pretty girls. Yeah. Nice. Real fast before He's we like get it only commercial. started about five years before <laughs> I came here. <laughs> they are the bomb. They are the before bomb. Before we hit yeah. our commercial break, let's hit these comments. I'm pretty sure Facebook user is uh Philanders again. He popped up on uh or I should say Facebook user popped up on the Divots and Pivots show last night. Uh, and- uh, was very that's, quick to tell us. That's uh, just that a great name, even if it's not like Facebook user. I like it. I know, right? <laughs> just that's my profile name. Uh, Coop did uh, show up here for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. He missed our comment about him earlier, so too bad. Checking in. Uh, Facebook <laughs> user comes back again. Those helmets are sexy. Nice. Um, Jamie's popping back. Oh, do we have to throw that back up for Jamie? Should we throw the Browns one back up? Oh, the Browns at the one. Let's. Uh... There you go, Jamie. Yeah. There you go, Jamie. A little. Oh, yeah, I see. I see the we're profile doing, picture now. Yep. We're doing some jerseys love right now. Would love to know what anyone else thinks about that Browns one while we're moving along. Yes, we'll get your comments <laughs> and we'll check back in. Uh, we'll and we'll see if there's any new ones to get to. But real fast, we're gonna take a quick break here from Underdog Fantasy, and then we will be right back. Jamie thinks they're fired. Uh, so good thing you weren't you didn't see us live because we did not agree. We will be right back when we get after we get one of our fantasy. <laughs> Stick around. Fantasy Sports Corp and Underdog Fantasy have teamed up to start your fantasy season off in the win column with Best Ball. What is Best Ball? It's quite simply the easiest way to win. No team management, no trades, no waivers. It's their biggest contest ever and it has only gotten bigger. You simply have to sit. <laughs> And win. You don't even have to set your lineup. Always get your best score every week. Just enter a contest, draft your team, and Underdog will do the rest. What could make this even better? How about free money? Up to $100 using our exclusive promo code. Go online now and use the promo code TSS Dynasty to double your deposit up to $100. You tell them Gingerbread sent you. Good girl. And Jamie does respond. Yeah, three games this year, they'll be wearing that white oat jersey. Very appropriate. That's what Deshaun Watson used to call it, too. Nice. Anyways, let's move on here. <laughs> uh, Take the over in those games, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> let's hit the running back portion of this show because it seems these days um, it's such a volatile position, both in drafts and in um, just dynasty in general, what to do mm-hmm. with these guys. So Let's touch on some of these holdouts at, uh, first off um, and how they affect our dynasty rosters. Obviously, with the franchise tag deadline coming and going, uh, we still got uh, Jacobs and Saquon Barkley not signing. Um, mm-hmm. Does So we've t- we brought them up a few weeks ago talking about how none of us really seemed concerned about the holdout and then missing any time. Now that the franchise tag has not been signed, does anybody's mind changed at all? Justin, um, yeah, Justin, you, you, you want to bat? You want to lead off? 
Yeah, sure. I'll yeah. I'll lead off. I'll I'll burn yeah. this whole house down, and then you guys can leave me something. Yeah. Leave me something on the bone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am worried about Josh Jacobs, and that is because this is an organization has treated him like absolute shit since he's gotten there. Mm. Um, has pretty much put their entire season on his back for almost four straight years, and he has consistently gotten better and better and better. He's durable. And this is this was their big time to kind of like say, hey, buddy, we appreciate you. Here's the bag. And they said, ah, no, fuck you. We got you on a fifth year option or we got you on a tag. Fuck you. And it, for me, I'm like looking at that like, hey, like there's a guy who has every right to sit out. He, you know, has theoretically he has plenty of years to play because you know, knock on wood, no major injury. You know, Saquon has had the ACL redone. He didn't really have injuries in college, but obviously the ACL is a glaring uh, injury. So Jacobs is one guy that worries me. Barkley, so I don't know if you saw, but the the I think it was a Money Matters podcast. He went mm-hmm. on and he said that he's ready to sit out. It went viral today. Yeah. yeah. With that, with that nice, you know, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. colored shirt. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's out there. I mean, somebody was out there posting. What are the chances that you know these guys hold out for an for week one? And it's like zero percent, zero percent, zero percent, zero percent. I'm just like, it's way more than zero percent. Like we've seen Melvin Gordon hold out. We've seen Le'Veon Bell hold out. When these guys are serious. And this is a serious moment. I think I said it the last time we talked about it. This is a serious moment. This is a groundbreaking moment. These are the guys that could really re- help reset that running back market. Mm-hmm. And if they just decide, fuck you to the teams, you got to reset without us. And these teams, especially the Giants, find out their entire offense ran through this running back. And now they're going <clears> to <throat> suck after making it back to the playoffs for the first time since Eli's been there it might start to go, oh, well, we actually need these guys. And if they're not going to pay them, I guarantee you there's somebody out there that's going to pay Saquon Barkley. Because Saquon Barkley is one of those rare athletes that defies a title. He's just good. He's he's just great. You know, he's kind of like what everybody wants Bijan to be right now. He's a pass-catching running back who just wrecks defenses. Yeah. So – I think that there's a solid chance. I'm going to put it at about 30% chance that mm-hmm. both guys are out for at least week one. Ooh, Have you guys heard about this in. text group? Because I, I don't think I heard about this text group. Do you, you guys? Yeah, I'm in a text group okay. with Chris Barkley and Jacobs, and we're all we're all scheming, <laughs> we're all scheming a little bit. Um, no, Let's I have not heard about to that. Talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard about that. I need to check that out. Um, good tip. Um, yeah, man, this is really wild because we've got two running backs doing the same thing in completely different situations. Um, you know, Jacobs is holding out, and Jacobs isn't replaceable but he's not really necessary to the Raiders as far as where they are and their development as a team. Like they're just going to grind their players out. They have no short-term aspirations, um, not even remotely. Um, yeah. Veteran, veteran, veteran RB text group. Okay. I'm just <laughs> cracking up at the idea of what they're actually saying to each other in there. Cause I bet it's just sharing whatever this like, Whoever whoever Lena the plug is, I'm sure that that's just what they're sharing with each other. I keep seeing that online today. Um, but yeah, I mean the Raiders, they're absolutely no reason to do anything with Josh Jacobs. And look, I don't like Zamir White that much as a player, uh, but he didn't play much in college, so he does not have a lot of mileage. So they can just run his ass all season long. They're in no, they're in no hurry to bring Josh Jacobs back. Barkley, you said a lot of the good stuff about Barkley, Justin. You know, like. He is the face of the franchise. He's been an A plus talent for them, um, and but he and he's in the way the roster is constructed. Like he is vital to their success, which is very rare for a running back. You don't hardly say that about anybody. Um, they gave him a lot of good work, high volume, high value work last year, um, and with him gone, like no, nobody is touching Matt Breida and Eric Gray. Not unless you sure as hell are like in the most desperate desperate situation possible. Probably a little boost for Daniel Jones if we're just talking like fantasy. Uh, maybe even a little bit of boost for a really weird wide receiving group that they have there. Um, but it's it's tough, you know. Like I don't love paint like dynasty. Like we were all 
Dynasty and fantasy, this is one of those weird situations where we were ahead of the general public on this, what feels like for a couple of years um, with these RB trends. But Saquon is, to me, in that Eckler, Alvin Kamara, I am a wide receiver and a running back, I can do it all, um, contract mold, which makes this a little bit puzzling to me. But everybody gets lumped in with him. Like You can't make the argument that you should pay Barkley and assume that that means you should pay Cook, Fournette, hunt Zeke. Like it's not an all or nothing. Like one of these guys is not like the others. Well, so, and let's bring this back to dynasty real fast, because the way I look at the, just these two guys specifically between Barkley and Jacobs, I kind of get the feeling that Jacobs holdout is actually going to impact the dynasty community a little bit more from the sense that I think because of Barkley's injuries, the last couple of years, I have a feeling people were able to, there were more opportunities for Barkley to be bought uh, off off the market for undervalue compared to yeah. what he is now. Compared to Jacobs, who just you know who's been good in the past, but then really exploded this last year as a pass catcher too. Mm-hmm. I feel like coming off this last year, a nice healthy season for Jacobs. I, people might have overpaid if anything when yeah. it comes to Jacobs, and now to right away after being after overpaying for him, he's going to hold out. I think that's going to be a bit more devastating to some of these dynasty teams than. Barkley holding out, even though that will also probably cripple a team. That's a really good point because this is submarining win now teams. Um, these yes. were two of the most these were two of the most traded players over the last two years because of the injuries and because of the regime changes and all kinds of stuff that you can point to. Um, they've been getting tossed around like uh, like, like hotcakes, so it will be. It is wild, and this is like the microcosm on the RB position, right? Like, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit further. Um, if Kenny Galladay wasn't making all Saquon's money, we probably aren't even having this conversation. <laughs> Kenny Galladay, <laughs> I feel like that was a really loud cough. Sorry, that's <laughs> I still can't believe they did that. <laughs> yeah, but let's talk about okay. So, so we have some potential holdouts, some potential openings if if the uh. Mm-hmm. The football Illuminati veteran running back crews mm-hmm. text message group here um, is controlling <laughs> we'll everything. Just, we'll put you on. It, is mm-hmm. there a chance that we have some of these running backs still out on the market? Your Cook, your Elliot, your Hunt. Um, could you see mm-hmm. any of them sliding into one of these two teams, or what other teams do you see them sliding into here eventually? Because I do feel like at some point here. Um, if not by week, I think by week one, two of them will be signed. I think mm-hmm. by say week five, all three of them will be signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see any of them sliding into one of those two teams, or if not, where do you see them going? I mean, obviously, it's hard to predict. If, if a big injury happens week one, that will obviously yeah. dictate the flow of this. But if we were just speculating based on current teams, mm-hmm. where are you seeing? Justin, you want to kick us off here? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if I see. Anybody other than Kareem Hunt garnering interest from um, somebody like the Raiders or the Giants? I mean, I you know, Lenny Fournette, he's good in pass pro, but he's very unreliable as far as his fitness goes. And I did forget he, him. He just Sorry, had an interview with the Patriots. Everybody's freaking out over this. I'm like the Fuck one that's not here. freaking out over this. I'm <laughs> like, they'll probably sign Darrell Henderson and just say, yes, yeah. he's all right, cool. Walks out the door, you know what I mean? But, you know, for Ezekiel Elliott, his his time as a number one is really over. You need to kind of find somebody who needs that goal line back. Like, he's perfect in Buffalo. I don't know why Buffalo has not just reached out to him on, like, mm-hmm. a one-year, one million with incentives deal. Because I can tell you why. In, unless they believe in James Cook and Damian Harris as that goal line back. Yeah, they've got they've, – they've got – and Latavius Murray is actually who I would even put at the front Four of that. Like, Latavius, I, I Murray, <laughs> Latavius Murray is having the career that I think is maybe not the blueprint because he was not as talented as these guys, but what he's honed his skill set on in being um, and finding, you know, finding teams and being valuable to teams who don't possess that. I think it'd be a good route for some of these guys to like, especially Zeke. I mean, cause Zeke is still um, just a hair beneath being elite goal line back. Like you said, like that is still his jam. Yeah. I mean, Zeke could easily do what Jamal Williams did last year. Hmm. And that's steal a bunch of goal line touches from a good running back and, you know, find a slot where maybe somewhere down the line injuries, you hmm. know, 
bring him into a bigger role. But, sure. you know, I don't think that's going to be with the Raiders or the Giants. I think the, the primetime guy there is going to be Kareem Hunt, somebody who can really work in that offense the way that they want to. Somebody yeah. who's a pass catcher as well as a solid downhill runner. Hmm. See, I think I think a lot of people are, are looking at Buffalo thinking bringing a, a running back. I I actually, if you look, really look at their, their running back room, and, and Chuck, you alluded to this, it, it feels like they're going to try to give James Cook a run here as the rookie. But behind him, if, if he doesn't work out, they do have such a veteran running back yeah. here between Murray and Harris and Naeem Hines, who I think everyone, including me sometimes, is forgetting he's on that team still now. Mm-hmm. So sure. I, I honestly think that they're kind of set as far as their veterans go to really back up James Cook here. Yeah. Um, why DeAndre Hopkins was the the play that I thought that if they were going to do mm-hmm. anything, that was going to be it. So I really don't yeah. think I don't see Buffalo signing any of these guys. Chuck, where do you see uh, any of these other guys getting signed to a specific team? No, I I we're, I don't really, especially the two teams we're talking about, because you know all these guys came up together. They're all pretty similar in age, um, and even Barkley was a part of you know the elite group when these guys were in their primes. Um, and even Jacobs too, you know, 2019 is he burst on the scene pretty well as a rookie. So there is camaraderie with these guys. Right. So I don't know if I'm going to, I know it's a business, but if they're, it does seem like they're using their platform to kind of unite and maybe make a stand. Um, and if that's the case, then I don't see anybody meaningful signing with either team. They'll probably just run out who they got. Uh, especially Dave, you know, Brian Dayball's never really value running back play until he had Saquon Barkley. So I don't see him going back to that. Um, it, it, I mean, they'll probably sign with another, these guys will sign with other contenders. Like I bet the, the jets with the Brees Hall news, look, people are saying that him going on the physically enabled to perform list isn't a big deal. And it does happen more frequently, but it's not what you wanted to see from a guy who is supposed to be making progress. Only we haven't heard about the progress. We've just been told by, you know, you know, people who speculate, whether it's a medical professional online or people who look at history, track history, we've just been told that Brees Hall should be ready to go. There hasn't really been a lot of indication that we should be happy about his current status. So maybe a Dalvin Cook to the Jets, maybe a Zeke to the Jets, just depends. I like their running back room already, so it just depends on what they think. Um, Be on the lookout for just some of the other, you know, Super Bowl contenders, you know, like for years, like the Rams were bringing in Sonny Michels, the Chiefs were bringing in Jarek McKinnon's. Like, somebody will sign somebody that's a contender ready to go. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And this is a, mm-hmm. as we as we continue down this the running back uh, topic here, um, good topic here because we we've alluded to this mm-hmm. I think last week even when talking about David Montgomery that he does mm-hmm. seem to be a massive value right now. We referred to him. Um, when we were talking about going zero running back, that he's that that perfect number two running back you can just have fall into your laps. Yeah. Um, and I do agree here because David Montgomery, we forget he was a running back one. The, the problem was is that he was a running back one on a very similar offense in the Bears to the mm. Detroit Lions that he's on now and that they're teams that are very willing to use both running backs and sometimes mm. even more so – the set RB two in key situations. The big difference Mm -hmm. now is that he is the RB two in Detroit and Jameer Gibbs has a very specific style of running and and kind of skill set. And yeah, I think you nailed it here, Jamie, where Montgomery is, I could see him definitely getting a, maybe not a ton of yards, but a lot of touchdowns and being very, uh, very useful and above his um, like that RB 26 to 30 range, which seems like a steal. Are we in agreement on Montgomery, or are you guys fading Montgomery at all? Not at all. Uh, I'm not necessarily fading him because I do like his value, and I think that Jared Goff is going to regress, and I think the offense as a whole is going to you know, not be as exciting as people are expecting. Still good, but I don't like the top of the offense as much as I would have with a healthy, ready-to-go – or not healthy, a non-suspended Jamison Williams. Um, but I think the weird thing about this, and I've really come around on Gibbs because I hated the pick at first – um, and then I've come around, not the player, the pick, um, I've come around. I think that these guys actually have overlapping skill sets. And at some point the lions are going to wish they had fields or Gibbs in the game when they have Montgomery in the game. Um, yeah. this isn't quite Jamal Swift to where Jamal could crush inside the tackles and Swift was only good in space. 
Gibbs can do everything and Montgomery can kind of do everything. So it's really just going to come down to what the coaching staff thinks is their best chance to win. Cause they have a lot of pressure on them. I think uh, the, the, Dan Campbell has been there longer than people remember Jared Goff, you know, they're, they're getting ready to commit to him. They haven't yet, but they're getting ready to. So there's a lot of um, irons in the fire. Uh, and I'm just nervous about how it's going to shake out from a split standpoint. Yeah, and, and talking about Chicago, where Montgomery come from, that's where, you know, Roshan is now. And you know, no, form- it's not happening. I'm, I'm so I, right now. Is I agree. <laughs> so sorry. I agree. I'm not saying that by the end of the season, maybe it doesn't yeah. happen. But I do agree that Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert are going to be mm-hmm. the main factors in that yeah. backfield. I, I will uh, say this, though. If there's anybody that I'm taking as my handcuff to Khalil Herbert, it's Roshan Johnson. Not sure. that that's fair because especially for the value you can get Roshan in drafts right now he's mm-hmm. you know you can get him a great value as a shot in the dark so I don't, I don't mind that I'm just not taking him as a as a even a flex starter right now no here's a really fun. crappy analogy because it's not exactly one-to-one but I'm looking at them like field like 2019 fields is Lamar Foreman is Mark Ingram and um, Herbert is Gus Edwards. Um, very similar profiles sure. for all the guys. Um, so if something happens to one of those guys, there is room for Roshan to come up and be a part of the offense because they are implementing some similar stuff, but it's going to take an injury in my mind. No, I agree. But the fact that we have all these questions around which running backs are going to be mm-hmm. used more in, in these offenses, it, it brings us to the current, issue with running backs in the fantasy realm and where how do we value them especially in dynasty because we've been alluding to this 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 break in the in the contracts between teams and and running backs right now do you see this having a long-term effect i mean it's going to have a long-term effect on the nfl but how much of a long-term effect in dynasty for the value of these guys do you see this happening should we still be taking running backs in the first round um or or is wide receiver reigning all in the first round nowadays Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this one. Um, I don't if Bihan, if a Bihan or a Gibbs isn't in the draft, I mean, we just looked like, what was it? Was it last year that there wasn't a running back taken in the first round? Was it, or was it Najee here? I'm trying to remember when it was, uh, no, it was last year, right? It was Brees Hall was the first running back taken and he was taken yeah, in the second round, second right? Round. Yep. That's, I think we're going to see more of that, um, and that's to say that I just think we've the, the book has been written on what running backs values are, and there's nothing they can do about it in the short term. The CBA isn't up for a long time. Um, these decisions are coming from coaching staffs and front offices based upon how they're using these players. Uh, and receivers just have longer, more consistent careers. Running backs are the only position that they're in their prime on their rookie contract. So it's really hard to look at these guys for like long-term investments. And when you have a first round pick and hopefully a good one, you're making a long-term investment. Um, so, you know, guys like Bihan come around, what, maybe like five years. I don't know if that'll pick up as more and more like ridiculous athletes come into the league. Um, but I just think that we're going to, we've kind of already arrived to where I think the NFL is waking up to at least the like NFL fans. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. Um, I think we're just about to that point in fantasy, too, where fantasy running backs, I mean, if you're not Christian McCaffrey, it seems mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like even with Scott Fishball, like maybe a couple years ago, you were at least getting Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, all these guys mm-hmm. in the first round. Mm-hmm. Now you can get Christian McCaffrey as the first guy off the board in the second round. Yeah, and you know I understand yeah. superflex and everything like that, but you know mm-hmm. just just uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, they're being taken in the first round. Travis Kelsey's being taken in the first round. Yeah, and it, that's just you know it's all based off the idea that like Chuck said, like these guys are coming out in their prime, and every single year somebody's looking to replace you, and the running back is the easiest position to replace. I mean, we saw Tyler Algier go for a thousand yards. Then the next year, his team drafted the best running back in that class. Yeah, like talk about zero respect for what you did. They went out and they mm-hmm. got the guy that was clear and above, way better than you. They mm-hmm. spent a pick on him instead of going out and restructuring the line. They said, "No, I'm just gonna go get the weapon." Yeah, and 
Yeah, I think, you know, Chuck's point of you have to be a weapon in order to get, like, noticed in this league is kind of spot on. Like, the mm-hmm. Saquons, the B. Johns, the Christian McCaffreys, these guys that are leading the way with being a receiver and a running back are the only ones you ever want to draft now with your yeah. number one pick because that's the only one that's going to above and beyond return value or even have a chance to return value as a number one. Yeah. And everybody else yeah, is kind of just like, well, you're kind that's of- it. I mean, and, and the NFL knows that too. I mean, the NFL has known that um, over the last like five years, that's kind of been the case as far as like roster construction and offensive construction. Um, and you look at the top paid running backs right now, they all are either guys who can, who are elite runners and catchers, or they're Derrick Henry, who can carry four guys on his back. Um, or they're Nick Chubb, who is the best pure rusher in the NFL. Um, it's yeah. like special talents, right? It's not Miles Sanders. No. Damian Pierce. Yeah. Is not Pierce. Hmm. yeah and we're, we're seeing it with, like you're saying, to the, the running backs with the full weapon, just even in the fantasy world with the way the PPR and half PPR is be- has become the new standard. And just mm-hmm. even beyond that, how creative scoring formats have really gotten mainstream sure. in these fantasy leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you really do have to do a little bit more than just the, the average running back. Um, real fast, let's take a quick break here from Jazz, and then we're going to round out our running back conversation, mm-hmm. have a few more thoughts on that. But we'll be right back after this. Quick commercial from Jazz Casino. Jazz, Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for all-purpose online wagering. For over 20 years, Jazz has provided the best and quickest payouts in sports and entertainment wagers. Live sports betting, covering all the major sports leagues, and even into the new and exciting world of esports. Down the stretch you'll come, with Jazz's online horse wagering. Get paid when you play with Jazz's fun and exciting online casino games. Go online now and use the promo code TSS for our new members deals. Jazz Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for online wagering. So one of the other things I want to bring up on this running back conversation in reference to these contracts is where does it go from here? Mm-hmm. Because I see us being on like the edge of a cliff where it's going to go one of two ways. Because if these teams decide to break and pay these running backs the big bucks that they're looking for Mm -hmm. i can see teams then turning around and saying well we've paid you we're now going to use you use the hell out of you we're gonna and we're gonna i feel like there could be more teams that because of that de facto end up back into more of a um a star running back like one running back role which then obviously changes fantasy there or we're going to go the other way where the players are going to hold out, the teams aren't going to back down, and mm-hmm. the running back by committee is just going to continue to take take over as it already has. But it's going to basically say that no matter what, this is the future now. There, you, you lost your, your one big chance here. Um, do you guys see it going one or one or the other way? I I see it. I don't see the teams backing down here. I don't think the running backs are going to get paid. I just don't see them taking that risk so i i see us continuing down this path where running back values are going to they're just going to keep dipping yeah no i feel like the nfl made their mind up on this around the levy on bell time i mean that was a cornerstone moment in all of this and they're just trying to rehash it with the same strategy and it's just not like that levy on bell was as good as any of these guys that we're talking about and he was as yeah. good at the time but they recognized that that just wasn't the move. And the team was as successful with his backup. Um, And that was pretty enlightening. Melvin Gordon tried in 2019 and the team was better with his backup with Austin Eckler. And not everybody has an Austin Eckler waiting in the wings, but um, I mean, this is kind of, you know, we're in chapter four or five of this saga, as opposed to this maybe being like a ground floor movement. So I think that, you know, it'll probably pay out with, I don't think these teams are going to cross the picket line and I don't think the player, I, the players might, but I don't think they're going to not the way that they're talking. So um, if I'm advising the team, I would say draft a running back at the end of the draft every year or every other year in the mid rounds and keep turning them out and get the production out of them. 
And if I'm the player, I'm telling the player to like, you know, you're, you're more valuable than people are talking about. Like I get both sides, but it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely, like we were just, like we were just talking about, like I just ranted, I think there's definitely players that are able to command that and are able to get an audience with the Mm. owner and be like, Hey, I need 14, $15 million a year. Mm. But for everybody else, I mean, the standard was pretty much set. I mean, we had Miles Sanders go for six off of his best year of his career. Yeah. We had Jamal Williams settle for, I think it was like a one or two year deal with the Saints after he had 19 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like, the disrespect is there, but I mean, <laughs> said, like, yeah, I mean, the fucking the teams are just like, they don't care. Like, they'll draft yeah. the next guy. Like these guys come out of college with already like freaking two thousand carries on them, and mm-hmm. we don't care about that. All right, yeah. we'll plug you in, we'll play you until the wheels fall off, and then we'll get a new one. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's going to be one of those rare instances like Christian McCaffrey a couple years back where he got fourteen million, where you just couldn't deny that he was the cog in your offense that made it work. That's why I think Barkley will probably get paid. Jacobs probably won't get paid. And, you know, maybe down the line, B. John might be the next guy to get paid like the 16 million or something like that. But it won't be a standard. It'll be that rare player that gets it. So we didn't even we didn't even get to the to the last topic of our running backs here. But I have a feeling that from the sounds of everything we've all said and the way we feel the market's going, uh, zero running back is going to continue to reign supreme, it seems, mm-hmm. at least sure. as what funny enough as the least risky option for draft strategy. Yeah, big time. Like, it big sounds time. so backwards, but, yeah. but I mean, that's, but that's, that's like, I look, I'm like, I had churn and burn in there because like, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next three or four years is I have a wide receiver core that I have no worries about whatsoever. And I'm, I'm people are moving off of Joe Mixon's. They're moving off Derek Henry's. Um, they're moving off of Miles Sanders, even though he just signed a new contract. Like people want, and like I get wanting to have like a Bihan or a young McCaffrey, who is that like wide receiver version of the running back position. Um, but man, this no like this is the this is dynasty being ahead. This is fantasy football being ahead of the NFL, um, or at least the general public for years. And I just it's making me so happy for all of us. Like we're. <laughs> We're not nerds. We are forecasters. We are nerds, but... (laughs) All right, fair enough. (laughs) Most of us are not as reliable as the the forecasters on your everyday news. Exactly. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah, it's a strategy is best to go wide receivers and then rookie running backs, trade them Mm -hmm. the next year, and then get more rookie running backs with those picks. Sure. Like the best strategy. Well, because like, and you're right, like these teams, and you alluded to it. I I don't know if one of you guys talked about earlier, but I think one of you guys did. Like the teams that are winning in the NFL and kind of setting the blueprint for all contracts, right? Like Chiefs and Bills and 49ers are setting the precedent for these what for these positional contracts because of the production from their players, whether it's like um Travis Kelsey or Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes or Stephon Diggs, like Tyree Kill, you know, like the Chiefs, like these these guys are like Warren Buffett level making moves that the rest of the NFL is catching up to. And none of them are doing it with good running backs. None of them are doing it. Well, sorry, none of them are using high draft capital and getting high quality production out of running backs. Sorry, Clyde Edwards Alaire. No, no disrespect. But um, that's just – it's just not the case, you know. Clyde Edwards-Lair was drafted in the first round, and the Chiefs started Darrell Williams in the Super Bowl. Like, I – that year. That year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he didn't get the start in either Super Bowls. <laughs> oh, None of them. Tough three break. Of them he got passed over all three times. Tough, tough break. So that's – that's then that's, that's how it's going to be. It makes sense. Uh, sure. Well, look, that's going to do it for us here tonight, guys. Uh, as always, we always have more we could talk about, but we're going to try to keep this consistent to an hour. Uh, so we'll be back next week, every Wednesday night at 10.15 here in the Fantasy Sports Corporation. Once again, I'm Andrew LaDuke, a.k.a. Mr. Mallard. 
uh, to my right, whatever way you look at the screen, Justin Herrera, Fantasy Jesus at Semtex Max 93, and then hanging out down there at the bottom, uh, Chuck Bass at Chuck Bass FF. Uh, bringing it to you as always. Next week, we will have Jagger May back as well. Uh, the full team will be back together, and we will see you then for some more. Hopefully, maybe we'll have a Cook News. We'll see. Maybe Ooh. Dalvin Cook will finally land somewhere in all this. We'll see. We'll be ready. We'll see you next week. Thank you.